Joshua chapter 10, and it's one of the most amazing miracles in the Bible. We get to talk about the sun standing still. It's a fun event. There's an amazing miracle, but but I suppose my fear for you and me is that we, we have trouble connecting with the Old Testament. They're not really, they're fun stories, but what does it really mean for me? What does it really mean? To, to read these stories in Joshua and to be interested in them. And we'd walk away going, that's a fun story, but what does it mean for me? So I'd like to show you today, from this passage, a really critical thing for you. And it's about fear. Fear. I, I don't know if you really think you're impacted by fear or not. Some people are like, when you say fear, you mean a variety of things. So let me be clear, I'm not talking about your fear of heights or your fear of spiders, or all the things that, that end with obia, or phobia and those things. I'm not talking about that. I'm not even talking about, sometimes we say fear, and what we mean is is um, is respect, honor, kind of an awe. I'm not talking about those things. I'm talking about fear in the sense of what you worry about, what you have anxiety over. And for many of us, we have anxieties. Last night, I don't know why, I tossed and turned. Has that ever happened to you? I was in my bed, and I was tossing and turning, and I couldn't pinpoint anything. I wasn't like, I don't know, worried about something that I know of, and yet there I was tossing and turning. And often we toss and turn or we worry about things that we shouldn't. And my heart for us as a body is that we would think right theologically about fear, about worry. Sometimes the things we worry about are things we're not sure God even has for us. I want a red Ferrari. And so we're worried I won't get it. And, and really, the, the honest truth is maybe God doesn't want it for you. But you worry and you worry over it. And that's idolatry if you worry about something more than you ought in those ways. I'm not really even talking about that this morning. But oftentimes we're gathered here, you and I, in this body, because we love Jesus, because we've come to worship. And yet we worry. You say, I only want what God wants for my life, and yet I worry. I worry about whether I've done enough or I've done the right thing. I worry about whether God's going to really do the things that he says he's going to do. I, I worry about whether I'm worthy enough to actually get the things that God says I can have. That's the sort of worry we're after. And, and this, is the, this is the focus. I want you to walk away thinking you do not have to fear. You may fear. But you don't have to. If you're gods, and, and again, we'll talk about what it means to be gods, but if you're gods, you don't have to fear. Full stop, period. You have nothing to fear about. You don't have to fear taking a wrong step. You don't have to fear wandering into his displeasure. You don't have to fear about maintaining other people's opinion. You don't have to fear death. Nothing. There's nothing to fear if this God is for you. And we're going to see it in the Old Testament in Joshua. Okay, notice what I'm not saying. I'm not saying you won't fear. <laughs> I'm not saying if you just took the right steps, you wouldn't fear. It's not suck it up. Real Christians aren't afraid. We're weak people, you know. God goes to great lengths to let people know, his people, you, that you don't have to fear. 
Let's look. Uh, first, I want to. I just the first thing I want just want to show you is that that fear is a motivator, and you probably already know this, but sometimes we think of fear as people huddled in the corner trembling. That's actually not most of us. Let's take a look. Joshua chapter ten, verse one, says this: As soon as Adoni Zedek, king of Jerusalem, heard how Joshua had captured Ai and devoted it to destruction doing to Ai and its king as he'd done to Jericho and its king, and how the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel and were among them, he, here it is, feared greatly. Because Gibeon was a great city, like one of the royal cities, and because it was greater than Ai. And all its men were warriors. And, and so Adoni Zedek, king of Jerusalem, he sent to Hoham, king of Hebron, to Piram, king of Jarmuth, to Jophia, king of Lachish, and to Debir, king of Eglon, saying, Come up to me and help me, and let us strike Gibeon. For it has made peace with Joshua and with the people of Israel. And so then the five kings of the Amorites, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon, gathered their forces, and they went up with all their armies and encamped against Gibeon and made war against it. Okay, so the scene opens, and you know what's been going on. The people of Israel have walked around Jericho six times, and then on the seventh day, seven times. And they've gone against Ai, and they've had great success. And now this, this, this kings are looking, since last time they made this peace treaty with Gibeon, and there's these cities of Gibeon, and they were nice cities, so the king gets afraid. And is it a rational fear? Yeah! They're coming for me. And here's just what I want you to see. It doesn't mean that he went into his chamber and shivered. He did something. Fear motivates. Fear motivates action. Fear motivates action all the time. In everybody, this is a natural thing. If you are afraid of something and you think, well, I better tackle it and handle it. I better do something. And this is, this is why fear dwells in our hearts. When we're afraid of something, we say, I'm going to try and handle it. really common and so people think of fear as driving inaction of hiding in a corner but fear is actually a great motivator here he motivates this king to gather his allies and go attack and and i would say in the world fear is the motivator for much of what people do don't you think i mean i'm afraid <laughs> i'm afraid if i don't manage everything just so i won't get the outcome i want if i take a misstep you know my children will turn out wrong you've heard of the things like have you heard of helicopter moms a helicopter dad sometimes. My kids are there, and I'm just sort of in the background hovering, watching. Because I'm, I'm afraid. If they take a misstep, they might get hurt. So I'm, I'm watching them to make sure. And if they, they walk too far, they'll, whoa, 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 come back over here. I don't trust they're going to be okay. My kids, are you crazy? I'm going to watch and make sure myself. We're afraid that if we don't, if we don't get out there and do it, we won't get whatever outcome we want. This causes us to act. And Hey, you know it. I mean, I know there's a policeman in the room, but I'm telling you, when I'm driving, you know, 27 in a 25 zone and I see the policeman there, even if it's my friend, a shot of fear goes through me and I quickly take my foot off the acceleration pedal to at least go 24. 
Now you get afraid. The fear is there, right? And sometimes it causes you to act. It's not wrong to act. It's, it's there, but there it is. Fear motivates. Okay, so the men of Gibeon, in our story then, sent to Joshua at the camp in Gilgal. They said, do not relax your hand from your servants. Come up to us quickly and save us and help us. For all the kings of the Amorites who dwell in the hill country are gathered against us. Okay, so so the, the, the fear of the going to happen, drives the kings to attack, and the people of, of Gibeon, they call for Joshua. They call for the people of Israel. What's different about the people of Israel? Now, I could tell you right away, the people of Israel are different because they have God. But in our story, I want you to see what it is that they're told to be different about. I'm telling you, I'll give it up front. It's about fear. It's about being afraid. Whether you need to. So Joshua, verse 7, goes up from Gilgal. He and all the people of war with him and all the mighty men of valor. And you know, I'm, I'm not talking much about um, the strategy and the attacks. That's more for a Bible class. But what you have is you have the promised land. You have, you have this land that they're going to take. And now we're talking about sort of the middle band. And then Joshua's going to go south and attack. And he's going to go north. But, but what he's done by taking Gibeon and making a treaty is right there in the middle, Israel is. And then he's divided the area they're going to take the promised land into south and north. But we're talking today about the middle. And there they go. They went from Gilgal. I want you to hear what the Lord says. What does Yahweh say? What does your God say? Look, verse 8. Yahweh said to Joshua, Do not fear them, for I have given them into your hands, not a man of them shall stand before you. <laughs> that's, a, that's a fine sentiment. It, it's, it's, it's echoed in many places in the Bible, including the one we read today, of not being anxious. Don't, be, don't worry about this. Don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid for yourself. Don't be anxious here. I have given them. I think this is why this story is here. How is it true? How is it true that they're not to be afraid? What does God say is the reason? Don't fear them, he says, for I have given them into your hand. It's, it's not, don't fear them because you've trained really hard. Don't fear them because you're prepared. Don't fear them because anything they're going to do, nothing about how they're going to act, nothing about what they need to accomplish. This statement of no fear is grounded in one thing. What God has done. I have to say has done because God puts it in the past tense. This has been accomplished. You see that, right? I'm going to, no, I have given them into your hand. I've done it. You guys, trust me, I, I did it. Don't be worried. Let's take a look. So Joshua came upon them suddenly having marched up all night from Gilgal. And Yahweh threw them into a panic before Israel, who struck them with a great blow at Gibeon and chased them by the way of the ascent of Beth Haran and struck them as far as Azekah and Makedah. Don't be afraid, says God. Why not? Because I've done it. And then when they, they, they march out then and they go, what happens? God throws them into a panic. Don't say anything about what they do. 
You've got a God who can just panic the heart of any enemy you have, who can, who can work internally and suddenly. Huge rout. Great victory. Don't be afraid. He's able to cause them to panic. Not just that, as long as we're watching. And as they fled before Israel, when they were going down the ascent of Bethron, they're running away, right? Then Yahweh threw down large stones from heaven on them as far as Azekah, and they died. There were more who died because of the hailstones than the son of Israel killed with a sword. Whoa! So as long as we're calling panic and running, and then I just want to step back and watch. Large rocks from heaven. You don't do any of that. Look what God did. Any doubt that God's at work and no fear is necessary. God's going to throw down rocks from heaven on your enemies and kill them. No direct action by them at all. And, and then there's this. It's like a, a percendo because now it says at that time, Joshua spoke to Yahweh in the day when Yahweh gave the Amorites over the sons of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, sun stand still at Gibeon and moon in the valley of, of Abijan. Abijan. So Joshua says that. And the sun stood still. And the moon stopped until the nation took vengeance on their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Jashar? The sun stopped in the midst of heaven and did not hurry to set for about a whole day. There has been no day like it before or since when Yahweh heeded the voice of a man for the Lord fought for Israel. Wait a minute. Can you just consider this with me? It's so radical. It's so powerful. It's so incredible. It boggles the mind. It's one thing to think that the earth is flat, right? If you think the earth is flat and then the sun kind of takes a circuit and God just sort of pauses it for a minute with a big hand that you can't see. The invisible, powerful hand of God. But we know that's not true, right? You know that's not true. You know the reason why the sun moves is because the earth is spinning. Right? Science, you guys with me? Science class? Science class, right? The, the reason you have a 24-hour day is because the earth is moving. Do you know how fast we're moving? I'll just tell you. It's about 1,000 miles an hour, 460 meters a second. We are flying fast. And the earth is so big, that's at the equator. You know, at the poles we move, so we're probably moving a little slower here because the, the earth isn't exactly round. It's more like a balloon in the middle, so it's wider there, and so that, that's the fastest part that's right in the middle at the equator. But, but, but it's moving super fast, right? If you were going to stop the sun from moving, what would you actually be doing? Stopping the earth from rotating. If you were going to stop the earth from rotating, what would happen? In the absence of anything else, let's just go ahead and, and postulate, we're going to just stop the earth from rotating at, at, at this 460 meters per second, 1,000 miles an hour thing, and we stop it. Do you know what you do? You're actually not attached to the earth. You're moving a thousand miles an hour. Have you ever been in a car? Well, I hope you haven't. <laughs> Please answer no. But you're in a car and you're driving along without a seatbelt at 70 miles an hour and you run into a concrete barrier. What will you do? You will keep moving 70 miles an hour through the windshield and you will damage yourself. Think of that, but now you're moving a thousand miles an hour. What's going on? That's so strong that some people think, well, this can't be. It must be that Joshua was asking for darkness. Or it must be that this was sort of a, a sign in the heavens, a, a, an omen that God was, was doing to, 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 to scare these Amorites. 
It may be, but the, the way the text reads, he stopped the sun. What does that mean? It means it's just an incredible miracle, even, even holding the atmosphere together. Even if you stop spinning the earth, the magnetic field goes away. There, there's these things that start to happen that are just remarkable and, and amazing and deep and, and wide. And how can this possibly be? Can God do that? Can God not just stop the earth, but he could stop every consequence that happened right there? Just hold it. Could God hold you there so you don't even feel it like you're moving a thousand miles an hour? And he stops you. Could, could, could God change your perception of everything? Could God, God, God does, does whatever he wants, right? The depth of this. Do I know he did it this way? No. Could he have done it another way? Sure. Could he have, could, could he have um, put a, a, a light shield around the earth and then made another little sunlight that didn't have any mass and just, just moved that along? I, I don't know how he did it. I'm not saying I know. I'm just saying the, the, the fine-grained power of God is, is unfathomable. This is who God is. He's so powerful you can't figure it out. And it's talking it's like the power of a thousand suns. No, that's not enough. The power of a million suns. That, no, that's not enough. The power of a billion suns. No, that's, that's not enough. And, and you, you can't, can't find the description. And not just the strength of it, like the heat of the sun, but the fine-grained care that he takes on little tiny things all together. God's so powerful. This is your God. If he's for you, man, he can do anything. And, and, and here you have this escalation. He's not just striking fear in the hearts, which is amazing that he does that. He can do that. Then, and it's not just then, oh, let's just throw down some rocks from heaven on them. Now it's even stopping this multi-faceted power. Amazing. It's our God. This is one of the most amazing miracles in the Bible. It went down like this. Can I read that? Verse again, 14. There has been no day like it before or since. It doesn't happen every day. It's meant to be something. Wow, I see the power of God. I understand. but I'm playing with you a little bit. I'm not giving you the whole picture, am I? You say, there's been no day like it before or since because of the great power of God and stopping the earth and doing these amazing things. No day like it before or since. That's not what the text says, is it? There has been no day like it before or since when God stopped the earth. No. When Yahweh heeded the voice of a man. For Yahweh fought for Israel. Wait a minute. There's a little something else that the author wants you to see, that the writer wants you to see, that the Holy Spirit through the author wants you to see. That there's something going on there. There's been no day like it before. When Yahweh heeded the voice of a man. See, God, you think of God as this great, powerful other that just makes everything just, he's not a man, he's something different. And, 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 yet, and yet he cares enough for Joshua to actually listen to. A, a man who's like a tiny bug in the corner of the universe. That's the important thing. God who's so hugely other, he's listening to Joshua. That kind of powerful being, listening to a human. And, I, and I'll tell you what, when, when God says don't fear, it's not based on you being strong enough, is it? 
It's not based on you holding it together. He doesn't say, don't fear because, because he, he knows that you've got it in you to accomplish whatever it is. He, he says, don't fear here because he's got it. He's strong enough. And importantly, he cares for his own. The only question you should have is, are you his own? I know at this point we devolve into cliches. Even Bible verses that become cliches. If God is for us, who can be against us? I believe that. I believe with all my heart. And yet I'm still anxious. Yet I still worry. We have a tough time. We're terrible at actually living this out. We fear all the time. And I think God knows. I think Joshua knows. Because the story's not over. Joshua returned. All Israel with them to the camp at Gilgal. But they have something yet to do. And this is the thing. You and I need reminders. Reminders to live in freedom and assurance and joy. And not in fear. Look at it. These five kings, it says. We've listed them twice. They must have been important. These five kings fled and hid themselves to the cave at Machedah. And it was told to Joshua, the five kings have been found. Hidden in the cave at Machedah. And Joshua said, roll large stones against the mouth of the cave and set men by it to guard them. But do not stay there yourselves. Pursue your enemies. Attack their rear guard. Do not let them enter their cities, for Yahweh your God has given them into your hand. So they go off and they do their thing. And the kings are here and they're locked in this cave. When Joshua and the sons of Israel had finished striking them with a great blow until they were wiped out. When the remnant that remained of them had entered into the fortified cities, then all the people returned safe. I love that. Then all the people returned safe to Joshua in the camp at Machedah. Not a man moved his tongue against any of the people of Israel. I like that too. That's quite the statement, isn't it? So much where they wiped out their enemies that not a man moved his tongue. They aren't fearful, these people of Israel. They cause fear in their enemies. The amazing thing is the people still need reminding. You may have heard about the sun standing still. Have you heard of this one? You hear what they did afterwards? Here's what they did. Joshua said, open the mouth of the cave. Bring those five kings out to me from the cave. They did so. They brought those five kings out to him from the cave. The king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon. In case you forgot which five they were for the third time. And when they brought those kings out to Joshua... Joshua summoned all the men of Israel and he said to the chiefs of all the men of war who'd gone with him, come near. Put your feet on the necks of these kings. Then they came near. They put their feet on the necks. And Joshua said to them, do not be afraid or dismayed. Be strong and courageous for thus Yahweh will do to all your enemies against whom you fight. Whoa! What an object lesson, right? What a reminder. Take the kings and, and, and you get all your, your war leaders, all the people, there must have been a bunch of them, and then they're taking turns. They're taking turns with these five 
kings and they're putting their feet literally on their necks. What? And and then while he says, he's saying, don't be dismayed, don't be afraid, be strong and courageous. And and if you know that language and we walk through it already, Joshua was charged to be strong and courageous in chapter 1. Not because of what God had done, but because of what God would do. And now so Joshua says to the people, look, God is this way. He doesn't have to be strong and courageous. They, they don't in, in terms of hoping. They're strong and courageous, Joshua says, as their feet are on the necks of their enemies. Because of the finished work of God, these kings are right here, and God has stopped the sun. The work is done. You have eyes that see it, and now you can be without fear. You can trust Yahweh. You can. That's why this is about fear. This is about fear. This is about not being afraid. This is about not being afraid because of what God does. Because of what God has done. Because of God, what God will do. Because you're His. When they're done with them, off they go. I mean, afterward, Joshua struck them. He put them to death. He hanged them on five trees. And they hung on the trees until evening. But at the time of the going down of the sun, Joshua commanded. They took them down from the trees. They threw them into the cave where they had hidden themselves. They set large stones against the mouth of the cave, which remain to this day. And as for Machida, Joshua captured it on that day. He struck it and its king with the edge of the sword. He devoted to destruction every person in it. He left none remaining. And he did to the king of Machida just as he'd done to the king of Jericho. Wow. We're done. Scene comes down. Especially if you read the last chapter, you say, wow, I just don't like all this destruction. I just don't want that. It's not about you. It's about God. God's going to do what God does. He says, do you trust him? That's what he said to them. And that's the lesson, right? And we aren't soldiers in the trenches, you and I, fearing for our lives, but we fear nonetheless. And so this is what we learn today in our modern context, I believe. This is about fear. Fear motivates, right? Fear motivates you. It motivates me. I fear for what I want to accomplish, but I I don't know how. I worry about having to get to where I want to be. And so I worry about the path. I worry about the right steps. I worry about how. I look and see, and uh, you can too, where you act because of fear. The opposite of fear is confidence, assurance, freedom. And when you aren't operating out of those, you're operating out of fear. Fear can show you your idols, right? So we, we didn't really see that in this passage. It's a certain kind of fear because when I set my heart on something so strongly, it's not what God wants, but it's just what I want, and I'm hoping God will help me. Then there's cause for fear because maybe he won't because it's what you want. If you want that too strongly, instead of what the Lord wants for you, that's a good marker. It's a problem. But that's not what we looked at today. Usually, you and I in this room, we're fearful because we're not sure of God. We're unsure God is for us. We're unsure He cares. We're unsure that He really intervenes. Yes, He intervened so long ago. Yes, He intervened at the cross. But I'm not sure He intervenes for me. Lots of examples. 
functionally. We start worrying about the wrong step. If I do the wrong thing, then God won't bless me. What is that a statement of? God doesn't really like me unless I do the right thing. If I stand this way, people will judge me. God will act against me if I don't act. So I act in fear. I, I feel like I'll miss out on something that I really need if I don't do this, that, or the other because, because I'm... I, God will look at me in displeasure. I'll get a bad outcome. And all of those things, all of them, they focus on you. It becomes about control. Fear becomes about control. Here's the thing. Rest in You can have rest in Christ. You can be free from fear. Not as some command, like if you don't, you're not a Christian. But you can rest in Christ. When Jesus says, don't be anxious, he's inviting you not to be anxious. He knows it's the human condition. He knows that everybody worries about what to eat and what to wear. And he says, you don't have to. Look what I've done for you. Look what I will do. You, you may fail in every aspect of, of this world. You may not do well, but guess what? I'm for you and my power cares for you. You're going to be okay if you're God's. And by the new covenant, I'm God's if I believe, if I trust in Jesus Christ. I trust Him. That's all. I don't trust myself. I've turned. That's repentance, you see. I've turned from my way to, to believing Christ and trusting Him. And, and this trust is what He says is true. And therefore, I don't have to fear. I will. I'm a stinking sinner. I don't have to. I'm called to rest. The way to this is the cross. At the cross, Jesus went to war, didn't He? Talk about God fighting for Israel. It just foreshadows what Jesus did on the cross. He went to war for you and me. He beat the powers and principalities. He, he, he did it. He did it all for you. He won the battle. He stopped the sun. Something, a miracle far, far greater than stopping the sun. He paid for all your sin. Jesus did. Way harder. And so... So oftentimes when I worry, I'll end with this. Oftentimes when I worry, what I'm actually doing is I'm making the cross a ladder. If you took the wood of the cross, you took it off, and you, let's make a ladder out of it so that I have to climb. I want to climb to, to, to get to where I know I need to be. So I'm going to climb, and I make that conditionality mine. And then I'm afraid because maybe I'll fall off. Maybe I won't climb as I need to. It's a means of control. Or, or I make it crutches. You know, I take a, the cross apart and let's make a pair of crutches out of them. I saw this on the internet. It was really funny. It's a pack of crutches. That, that, that I'm broken, you know, and, but, but, but I've got Jesus and he's my crutches and, 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 and with him I'll slowly make it. It's a long way. But with his help, I'll do it. Well, I hope you're strong enough. That puts the burden right back on you. The little help from your friend Jesus. The cross is not crutches. The cross is not a ladder. The cross is the place where the battle is won forever. And we get you and I to say, okay, I trust that. And I trust that Jesus will get me where I'm supposed to be. I trust that Jesus will, in the things that matter, 
He's got me. I cannot fall out of his hand. In the things that matter, I'm so set. And I know, I know so often you and I, we really care for the things that don't matter. I get it. We do. That's cause for repentance. That's cause for coming again to the cross. That's cause for rechecking our vision. But may we never forget that it is not lack of power or lack of care that's going on in the mind of God for you. Not if you're Christ. He will get you where you need to go. You can rest. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this text. Thank you, Lord, that you are mighty. And we get to see it. As we see in this amazing account, Lord, I don't know how you stop the sun. I just bow. We bow. Knowing that you're greater than we are. That you can do amazing things. And Lord, we wonder that you you care for us. You listen to a man. You sent your son as a man. It's amazing, Lord, that you care. And Father, again this morning, we together, we gathered here, we proclaim, we trust you. Lord, we do it badly. Forgive us our fear. Help us to rest. Lord, may we be motivated by the great gift that we've been given in Jesus. And it's in his name we pray.